there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the No Small Stories podcast. I'm your host, Haley Overseth, and this episode I will be joined by my brother, Johnny, who is co-hosting with me, and we sit down for an excellent conversation with C.S. Brennan. C.S. is a playwright, actor, voice actor, and is a voice and acting coach as well. He has a lot of great information, not just on the entertainment industry, but I think a lot of insights into how to build a better mindset for yourself, no matter what you do in life. So I do hope you enjoy this conversation with C.S. Brennan. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Haley, one of your hosts, and Johnny here is standing in for Shane tonight and joining us. We have CS. Yep. We have CS Brennan, actor, voice actor, um, also doing some screenwriting and producing. You have a lot of hats that you wear. Yeah. Many hats, one head. <laughs> yep. That's all right. You got to have variety <laughs> in life, don't you? Yep. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank for you. Sure. So we would just love to hear um, if you can start us off with. So what inspired you to first start with just performing, acting? Where where does the creative spark start for you? Um, so I started off with um, a very artsy school in New York. Um, that's kind of where I got the ball rolling. We were lucky enough to have a lot of money funded for the arts. Um, oh, the nice. school was, yep. The school, the school was very, um, very particular in creating a well-rounded education. Um, and I was inspired by my grandmother who was a performer in the, like an early Ed Sullivan-esque kind of show, um, back in the twenties. Um, and that inspired me to move on. And I actually started out, um, in classical music. I started out as an opera singer. Um, very cool. Yep. So, um, I was very familiar with the voice, very familiar with how people uh, manipulated their voice in order to present a certain emotion, evoke a certain theme, um, you know, present a certain message. And um, whether it was through music or whether it was through public speaking, uh, the two just kind of melded together. And I figured, you know, like, well, you could use your voice as a tool to guide anybody towards any sort of, you know, um, message, whether it be through just pure entertainment and or, uh, or uh, you know, influence them in some sort of way. Um, and that has always just really fascinated me, just being able to craft and use something that we're all born with to be mm-hmm. able to influence people to such a degree um, and just a pure entertainment value, too. It's just fun. Um, Absolutely. You yeah, got to do yeah. what you love, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. no. Very yeah. cool. So oh, go ahead. I was going to say I'm a musician as well, but like or like. I have I have a good voice, I guess, but I'm <laughs> yeah. also a drummer. So yeah, <laughs> you know, those things don't really, go together well. Not really. I have more of an imitation voice. I would say I can imitate mm. singers. I yep. don't really have yeah. my own thing though. But uh, yeah, well, I I'm not completely trained really. I could hear it now. The tone and the timbre. You know, you could do it. You could have a pretty successful career in, in voice work. If I'm sure you do more than just this, but no, you've got you've got the right voice for it for sure. Yeah. So yeah. you also do some voice um, coaching and teaching, though, as well, right? Yep. Yes, I do. So yeah. um, is that something that is are, are you are you doing that sort of freelance, like take on you take on clients? Yeah. Personally? Yeah. For the most part. So I started out um, after I after I graduated uh, when my master's in Boston, um, the, the main thing I've graduated with a degree in music education uh, with the sole intent on taking what I had and the abilities and the opportunities that I was afforded and presenting them to people who didn't have it. So I taught mostly in the inner city um, in Massachusetts, back in New York, um, because, you know, I was well aware of the fact that there are there are many schools around me that I grew up in. I was in this nice little bubble, but there were schools around me that didn't have those opportunities. So I knew I wanted to go to school to be able to figure out how to give that gift to other people. Um, 
in public school, you know, like did me wonders, but I found more, you know, creative flow through being able to have my own private studio, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be through music or voice acting. Um, I could appeal to each person's individual learning style a little bit better. Um, and so having an independent studio, whether it's, you know, through voice acting, whether we're, you know, I'm helping somebody um, on a one-time Broadway audition, or I'm coaching through, you know, somebody through dramatic voice work or comedic voice work, and we're working on pacing and timing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can do that from, you know, the comfort of my own home or, or through Zoom. And, you know, it's yeah. just, it's a really, really beautiful thing being able to share that gift with people. Okay. That's yeah. really um it's a fu- it's a fun sort of thing for me to to think about the like especially when you talk about like comedic voice training you know mm-hmm. like that it, it's interesting to me that it's kind of would you say you had a natural ability because it, it makes me wonder like how many people like really practice to to become that and how many people are sort of naturally good at the pacing of something like that you know so and so that's that's one of the most tricky things you know like if you're there's really no good way to teach comedy you know it's either you are just kind of you have the pacing or you don't you know Mm -hmm. there are some like fine tuning things that you can do i mean the 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 beauty of voice work is that you can do a take over and over and over Mm -hmm. you know but if you're doing a show you know synonymous with like whose line and you're trying to take classes on how do you kind of like improv better like you know in my in my you know opinion you either have it or you don't it's there's mm-hmm. it's so hard to work on live um live comedic performances in timing because you're you know you're never going to get that opportunity again so like i'll right. take usually if i'm working on comedic stuff i'll work on specific projects that people are um are you know, will come to me for so they'll have you know a commercial or there's an animation that they're working on and there are specific lines it's tangible it's there we can work okay. on it um other than that, it's a little bit too broad and too vague to even just, you know, to just say, oh, well, take this extra beat here mm-hmm. um, because, you know, like there's really nothing that you can really like, you know, grasp on there. It's it's just too vague. So and, it, it's you know, interesting to me, though, is I, I I'm not necessarily familiar mm-hmm. with voice work or um, mm-hmm. the sort of technique, you know, and obviously if mm-hmm. you've done opera, you, you have more projection techniques and and different things um that you know to do but the Mm. idea of doing voice work and training for the the timing aspect and things like you know that's more um probably comes more from like your sort of formal acting experience right yeah 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 Yeah. mm -hmm. um and you know on on that note it's all it's there's a lot of um there's a lot of like thought that needs to go into what kind of role that you're doing. Um, you know, like I like I said, I come from the world of opera where you you don't have any mics and you have to belt your heart out into, you know, until you reach the cheap seats out in like the 80th row mm-hmm. and like that. And you have to look almost manic on stage to come off as mildly passive aggressive to the old lady with, you know, with like spectacles in the back row. And I now, love that. And then translate that to film, you know, film acting and voice work where, you know, you have this nice little condenser mic in front of you and all of that over emotion has to be condensed into just subtle little points. And you can't just go over the top. That's why you can point, you could point out a Broadway actor immediately because they're overly dramatic to the point of, you know, pure annoyance sometimes. Um, (laughs) And you know, like I remember being on sets with, you know, with directors, whether it's, you know, for voice work or not, because, you know, for if we're doing voice work at a home studio, it'll be this kind of setup where you'll be on Zoom and they'll be coaching you through things. The main thing that they'll tell you to do for, you know, for first time film and voice actors is less, give me less, give me less. And they're like, well, if I, if I do any less, then I'm not going to be giving you anything. And like, that's the point. Real people <laughs> don't, real people aren't this dramatic. If they are, they yeah, we know, start to think of... there might be something wrong with them yeah mm-hmm. exactly um and so it's so funny when you put them when you you know start hitting record on people just how un like inhuman they start to act they almost forget how to act human and that's one of the biggest and like that's one of the biggest things like in my role my role is to you know to not only be their coach but at the same time play psychologist and just be like no like just be you just 
be mm -hmm. who you are. Don't try to put on a show. As soon as you know we hit record, you're still you. You know, you're mm -hmm. still a person that talks like a regular person. Don't forget, you know, you know, like you don't think about your beats or your pacing or your timing when you're just speaking. You just are. And like the second you start thinking about it, you know, everything seems fake. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's a pretty good message too, though, not to overthink things. Yeah. Yep. Well, I can. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I can. I can relate to that. I was somewhat of a shy kid. I was gonna say my name is John. By the way, I don't know. She said. Oh, I'm, I'm also, sorry. Did I not? Also, I thought uh, I did. I'm also Haley's uh, stepbrother. So that's oh, our introduction. <laughs> um, but uh, where are we going with this? Um, shy kid. Shy kid. Yep. Mm. Uh, so like, I can totally relate to like being on the spot and locking up and stuff like that. I got mm. over that as I got older and stuff like that. And mm. I kind of got out of my bubble. Like I said, I'm from, we probably had very different upbringings. I'm from a town about 800 people. And okay. that was All probably right. on a block that you lived on. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, once I got out of there, I kind of came out of my shell and stuff like that, but I was a very reserved like child. So I can, yeah. I can totally agree. Like, you know, relate do, to that do you yeah, absolutely do you get clients like that that are maybe or would you do sorry how am i trying to ask this would you do <laughs> training for people maybe not necessarily just for people who are wanting to perform but like maybe for people who are just like a little shy and just want mm -hmm. like to yeah. practice some i don't know if social skills is the right way to say it but like you know that maybe some people could go to a service like you have for voice mm -hmm. work and, and acting training. And that mm -hmm. maybe that might kind of help them just to open up a little bit, get out of their yeah. shell a little yeah. bit. Yep. Yeah. And the majority of my clients I'll get, they fall within that gray area of, you know, person who doesn't take that leap and, you know, in kind of acquire those skills and work on them. And then, you know, mm -hmm. aspiring film and Broadway actor. You know, there's so many people in the middle of that who are just working a nine to five. They're in their office cubicle. They grew up very shy and they don't really know how to connect. And I, I did a lot of work in comedy improv out in Boston. And half of our classes were just corporate sponsored events. It was just a tool in night out and learning how to public speak, how to give a presentation, how to just turn your brain off and not think and say that people aren't worried about you succeeding. They're just they just care that you're trying. All the, and that's the same. That's what comedy improv is. Nobody cares if you succeed or if you make them laugh. What makes them laugh is that they see you trying and you're giving your best effort. And mm -hmm. you can only do that if you can just turn your brain off and just be natural. And so yep. a lot of the people that I'll have, because there are some people who, you know, they see the allure of Hollywood or Broadway and, you know, they want to go for that. But a lot, to a lot of people, most of my clients, that's kind of off-putting. They don't want they don't want that as their end goal. They just want to learn how to be able to speak more without having like a panic attack. They want to yep. be able to um, talk without having every sentence end with an upper inflection. So it makes everything that they're saying sound like a question, even though they're really confident in what they're saying. And that's you know, interesting. Like, right. Uh, there, are, there are so many little things that they're like, well, I, I'm giving this presentation. Why are people not taking me seriously? And well, it's like, well, let's analyze yeah. how you're speaking, you know, how you're presenting that information. You could have, you know, you could have Stephen Hawking level discoveries. But if you talk about it like you're not sure of your own material, then nobody's going to take it seriously because you're the one. Mm -hmm. You're the face of it. You're the voice of it. So, like, mm -hmm. how are they going to... How are you going to present it? You know, like it's, you know, I think yeah. I show them TED Talks. So, I'll um, refer them to the King's speech. You know, like it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter what material you have. If you can't deliver it, you know, to their satisfaction, then you might as well have not put in any of the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the best tools for me to kind of get over that completely was I kind of threw myself to the wolves. I became a Harley mm -hmm. salesman. Wow. So wow. you either public speaking, you either survive or you don't. I kind <laughs> yeah, of put yeah. myself in a position to either make money or go or be poor. <laughs> so yeah. it's and when you when you put a commission based on how you speak to people and how you gain a relationship, mm -hmm. then you see you well you more or less see a value in it. To yep, yeah, you're imp it's improv all day. Yeah, you're bouncing, absolutely. You know? So 
Yeah, yep. that was yep. a very eye-opening thing for me. <laughs> I bet Harley clients must Harley customers must be ruthless. Um, it's a lot of uh, kind of just like don't just kind of desensitize yourself to what they're saying because <laughs> yeah. you get in a lot of awkward conversations. Oh, stuff I bet. Kind of want to avoid, but you want to sell the bike, so you know. So you're just yep. like, you just kind of like, yeah, man, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get yeah. it. You say that a lot, but. Yeah, yeah, Harley. There's yeah. a lot. Of, uh, there's a lot of different mm-hmm. people that buy Harley. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like. Oh, oh go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, you I go was going to say, um, like one of the main tools that we'll use in comedy improv is, um, you know, is a it's just a very simple game called Yes and. And a lot mm-hmm. of like non-improv people have like heard have heard of it, where somebody will say something to you, they'll propose something, yeah. and there's the point of the game is to not say no at all, to only say yes and to that, to be able to build on it. And then you're just feeding off of each other with the conversation. So I apply that to a lot of people who come to me who are salesmen or, you know, salespeople. Yeah. And, you know, the point of the game, it's like, it's, it's like writing a character and most, most characters these days have this kind of yes. And um, feature built into them where yeah. there's a scene, they want something at the end of the scene and they'll do and mm-hmm. say anything, you know, to, you know, to get that, like, I, I think literally back to, I see your Game of Thrones poster in the back. Um, there's mm-hmm. a scene where the hound is about to die after he just fought with Brienne of Toth and Arya. She's just standing there and he'll, he's saying anything that he can to try to get her to kill him. And she won't. And he'll say yep. and it gets worse and worse and worse to the point where he just starts begging, begging yep. to die at mm-hmm. the end. And it's like, what do you have to say to get to get what you want? And it's always a game of yes hand because if you don't expect the no and I don't want the bike, you're gonna be tongue-tied and you're gonna lose the sale. If you keep building on what they say, then yeah. Well, like one thing I learned, the best sales strategy for a Harley salesman is a act like you don't care if you sell that bike. That's the furthest thing from your mind. I don't yeah. care. You want mm-hmm. like that bike? What don't what don't you like about it? Just ask them questions, pick their brain. It's a psychological game, really. And then another thing is I you you always have a line. Mm-hmm. Like if they a lot of people say, Well, let me think about it. So I would always tell them, if you think long, you think wrong. Yeah. And then and I then kinda I, li- I might I might steal mm-hmm. that from you just for my everyday life. That's it's actually good pretty line. good. Follow that with about a minute of silence. Just stare at the bike with them and let them just stew in that. That's mm-hmm. how you sell a bike. It, yeah. It's a lot of awkward because people are impulsive. Yeah. So yeah. it's a lot of awkward sitting there not saying a word and just waiting. Yeah. If, if you, the yeah. next person that makes a move, you lose. You know what yep. I mean? It's a psychological yep. game. I'm trying to yeah. steal your wallet. <laughs> so it's really it's, – it's really underestimated how powerful silence and eye contact is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's really, it, you know, it's really yep. powerful in, in like mm-hmm. in situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, people, sure. yeah. Mean, people want to fill the silence a hundred percent. Yep. Because yep. people, I don't know. There's a comfort in noise and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It, well, we're the, you know, the, uh, the focus isn't on you more or less. Yeah. Yep. So absolutely. if you put the focus directly on them and you're not saying a word, just staring at them, staring at a bike, they'll they'll make a move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You can borrow yeah. that for your clients then. Yep. No, that go. sounds perfect. I love it. So with your um with your acting work then and your voiceover work and things like that, um, do you have any like things that you're currently working on or do you have um I guess maybe things that you're looking to try to work on. Well, so personally in my own career, I'm looking to get more into the actual, um, into more union work. Um, Now that, now that all of the strikes are pretty much done for the most part, Mm -hmm. um, we can start focusing a little bit more on that. Um, Well, yeah, getting more into union work, which of course you're just jumping into an ocean of other, you know, you know performers and actors so you know there's so much hard it's it's harder but at the same time there's work everywhere i mean everybody is always is looking for voiceover work and it was like that before covid but then covid just catalyzed the push towards you know at home studio mm-hmm. remote content um mm-hmm. 
And then you're obviously more marketable if you can do different types of voices. Um, I was trained more towards the dramatic side, um, but I've always been a fan of, you know, like shows like Who's Line and, you know, Mm -hmm. growing up, not growing up with, but being influenced by people like Tim Conway and Carol Burnett and Dana Carvey, who can just manipulate their voices into into just insane characters um and i i fall victim to that too sometimes just being so my career being so fo- focused on the voice that i'll like i call like master of disguise syndrome where i'll hear somebody <laughs> speaking interestingly and then without even a second thought audibly just mimic them um yep. to a fault to an absolute fault and to a lot of um anger but um oh i think that <laughs> would just be so fun i would enjoy yeah. that i, I think oh that it's would unbelievable i used to work at a you know like my first job was like at a grocery store and then like i would try like every day i would try the entire day as like with a different accent and there's nothing yeah. there's nothing more off-putting to like sunday morning churchgoers than like an asian man with an irish accent <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's pretty and, great and so oh, like yeah, that'd be great yeah, and, you know, like, and that's just like fold to my last name, just coming in, you know, with, you know, with an Irish last name, I'm adopted from South Korea. Yep. Um, and, um, you know, like most people, you know, if I'm high- going for a job, they'll see my last name and then they'll see my headshot. And they're like, well, like one of these <laughs> things is not yeah. like the other. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like an enigma. So like trying to show, like expand my repertoire into just giving them the most unexpected Reason, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of people will ask for a specific voice type, but then for you know, because now you know, we're all everything is about inclusion from a specific race, but they'll always take you if you can actually do the job. That's the first, you know, that's yep. first and foremost. Um, so expanding my own repertoire, but at the same time, expanding my clientele of you know, people that I can train and Zoom, you know, like I didn't really do a lot of online, um voice work because I didn't trust my own speakers. If I was giving somebody a lesson over, you know, a voice lesson over Zoom or even like a piano lesson, I didn't trust that I was going to be able to catch and pick up everything through, you know, my MacBook speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, but now technology has gone to the point where like I can trust that. So expanding my repertoire to almost, you know, um, I have a couple clients in Canada and a couple in Spain. But other than that, oh, like, wow. that's as far as my international uh, like reach goes but i'd love to bring to branch us out into something more more than just performative right now it's mainly performative mainly public speaking but i'd like to branch it out into something a little bit more psychological if i can to you know give people the chance to um find almost find a sense of confidence in their voice not just so they can okay. present a presentation because the people who are coming to me for public speaking they have a specific um project in mind mm-hmm. that you know they it's it's crunch time and they really need you know a couple lessons to really just bring it home um i'd really like to open it up to have it be a little bit more transformative um in their life and um you know making small strides in that I haven't really thought too much into it but you know that's kind of like where i am now i've, I've seen the performance aspect of it now i want to see more it become a little bit more internal um, okay. I I work. like that. That's really so um I mean almost kind of like sort of life coaching or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what would you maybe confidence coaching like I think yeah. that is yeah. something that could be yeah. really interesting mm-hmm. to get into mm-hmm. and you know yeah. definitely mm-hmm. almost, almost therapeutic right like yeah yeah you are helping people to sort of get to a place where they're more yeah. comfortable with themselves to be yeah, able exactly. to communicate yeah. Right. Exactly. Like the actors that I work with, they understand that acting is just reacting. So, yes, you have to put yourself in the shoes of this character, but it gets to the point where you understand not you know, you understand exactly what this character is going to do. But you believe in yourself so much that you believe that you are this character. It's no longer, you know, the hound doing it. I am this person feeling this pain doing this. And that's what I'm trying to show in like a very watered down simpler way to my other clients who aren't trying to be actors that your speech and how you you know how you speak is only a reflection of what you believe inside is a result of you know your confidence in your self-efficacy and your self-worth and Mm -hmm. it really yes yes you can manipulate your voice and these cadences and these pauses and things like that but they're only going to feel the confidence if you actually believe in yourself yeah. And 
I I really like that. I think that is a very novel way to go about things. I think you could really pop off and do well with that Mm. because I think Mm -hmm. there are, there's a lot of people out there just looking for ways to assist themselves in having better mindset, more positive Mm. mindset, more confident mindset. And I, I think there's a lot to what you say that there's a lot of the ideas of acting and becoming a new character and sort of, Mm -hmm. It's like you have to build the character that you want to be. Yeah. And believe in that and speak from that place. Yep, exactly. And you can take the same. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm I'm sure getting on stage without confidence is an absolute nightmare. So you have to build, you know, like as far as comedy, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have to have somewhat if you're going to go up there and present something as almost like a truth, you almost have to be you have to be confident in what you're presenting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry. Don't let, <laughs> no, that's fine. Don't let any actor ever tell you that they don't have stage fright. Every oh, single yeah. actor, mm-hmm. every single actor has stage mm-hmm. fright, but they go off and do it anyways. Because if they didn't care about what the audience thought, then you know, th- their performance would just seem deflated and and yeah. like untruthful. But no, every single person cares and cares so much. And th- like, yes, I still get stage fright, but. I do it anyway. I mean, like I do yep. it for a living because there's nothing like that rush and adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And I can take the same exercises for my uh, for my actor uh, clients and mm-hmm. juxtapose them onto my non-actor clients because they'll come to me. And this, the majority of those people, you know, um, corporate people usually, you know, looking for, you know, give a speech. Yep. They'll say, I just want to sound confident. And I'm like, OK, well, what about being confident? Yeah. Why don't we? Like we can, we can, you know, we can wax a car, we can buff everything, give you new tires and other, but why don't we look under the hood? Because otherwise the car is going to break down regardless of how nice it looks like on the outside. You know, we Mm -hmm. can, you know, polish it up for the next few minutes, but why don't we just work on being confident? So I can take the same actor exercises and just making a complete fool out of yourself. Like yeah. for a good like hour at a time and just having fun and turning that part of your brain off that's just so honest you know, that's just so unbearingly nervous and worried about what other people think yeah. mm-hmm. and just work on your you know and your you know your like it's almost like it's a form of audible meditation i tried i try to tell them um where you can really just let yourself loose and be confident and then we do that so much that that becomes a norm and then we'll work on your public speaking because yep. now you actually have a foundation to build off of that. I love this. I think you should have a YouTube channel where you have your own training <laughs> videos that you give for people for, you know, not just the, you know, being yeah. confident in public speaking and the mindset. I think, yeah. I think you're on the, the, the verge of something very cool here. I'm very excited. <laughs> Thanks. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. My end goal <laughs> is a Ted talk, but I'll get there. There you go. I yeah. absolutely yeah. can see it. I, I don't know who I need to talk to or whose petition I need to sign, but you definitely need to give a TED talk because I think <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I think I could use your services. Like just, <laughs> I want, sure. I just want to have a couple hours of being fun and silly and outrageous and not worrying yeah. about what yeah. anyone thinks yeah. just for my own, just for my own yeah. mental health sake, mm-hmm. just, sure. just to, to build yeah. a little bit of fun times, right? Like keep yep. the, the good vibes rolling. And honestly, that's where Zoom and working remotely has kind of helped me a little bit because if I don't know them for the first time and I'm meeting them in person, it is very off-putting to not only say like, hey, I'm going to help you on your self-esteem, but then to ask that person to completely not go above and beyond anything that they've ever dreamed of doing in their normal mm-hmm. life. You know, say they're just they're you know, they're an accountant and we're like, okay, you're gonna act like a monkey and you're gonna roll around on, on this ground yeah. for a good few minutes until I say stop. And they're like, absolutely not. And so absolutely not. And I'm like, all right, you got a point there. Um <laughs> but working, you know, like working through Zoom, at the very least, they're in the comfort of their own home. Mm-hmm. Again, ask them yeah. to do something, at least while seated, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna turn my camera off and you you know like you do x y and z or something like that or you'll hear me and i'll start to be and then whenever you know you want to chime in you know feel free to and they at least they're surrounded by something that they know they're comfortable i'm not meeting them in a studio somewhere or in a dance you know dance studio um 
and people seem to be a little bit more receptive of that because you know they're they feel safe and that's mm-hmm. the biggest issue with asking somebody to kind of bear their soul into not into alter you know the very fabric of like who they've been for you know the past few decades and getting out of that comfort zone and like well to do that they need to be as comfortable as possible and like up until right now like i'm a complete stranger you know mm-hmm. how do i instill that 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 trust and that comfort and yeah, you, know, yeah. you are kind of playing you know therapist for yeah. most of the time well because you do have to it's you know there's a little bit of therapist but there's definitely Mm -hmm. some teacher uh almost you know sort of elementary school teacher maybe a little bit right having to having to create a safe space for someone to be who they are and you know having a lot of i'm sure patience yourself right because yeah yeah to to try to coax that out of some people who are more reluctant right i'm sure can be challenging yeah and i learned that from from when I was in the public education system, um, the schools okay. that I taught, the elementary schools that I taught were in like the bottom 3% of both New York and Massachusetts. Oh, and wow. Okay. Those kids, you know, it was, it was the inner city. Um, I knew exactly the, the schooling that I came from and I knew those kids weren't, weren't going to have any problems getting the opportunities that I had. It was these kids that weren't going to have any of it and all they needed was that one teacher to be able to show them that you know there were opportunities there are ways out of their situation you know they're just you know they just happen to be born into this situation to no fault of their own and they can control you know as much as they possibly can to get out of it and it was tough because yes you're trying to create that safe space for them you have these six hours compared to the other you know the other 18 where they, you know, there's a good chance that they could unlearn everything that you're trying to instill in them, but school is their safe place. And it was, it was kind of like that for me, but I knew that I was going to be safe when I was at home. And I would, in the first few years I was working, like, I just couldn't figure out why these kids weren't paying attention, why they weren't doing their homework. And it was like, okay, well, because this one just had to, you know, go get his father and bail his father out of jail at, you know, and from the third grade, this one, just had to deal with yet another death in the family. I'm like, all right, school is, is on the back burner and survival for this third grader is, is top priority for them. And I was like, I had to change my entire methodology of teaching to creating more of a safe place, safe place to be, you know, to create, use music as a tool, music and performing as a way for them to actually express themselves. Because if I don't, they're going to become cold and hardened and it's going to get worse every single year. And it's like, this needs to be yep. their haven where they can just be them and be a kid. And yes, we'll work on the motor skills and all the other stuff that they're supposed to work on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like this, like needs to be well, the place where, that they look forward to. But I yeah. really think that coming from that sort of a place is more mm-hmm. where all of education needs to be. It's not just about mm-hmm. the the functionality things, the, the mm-hmm. you know, like you said, motor skills mm-hmm. or... I get math, whatever it is, you know, cultivating a space where kids learn to express themselves in general. Yeah. Right. And, and to have that confidence to express themselves. I think you should probably write a book about that too, on top of the YouTube (laughs) channel that you're going to be starting. You think you need to write a, a, a memoir is what you need to be working on also. I probably should because the first question on the TED Talk application is how many like please uh, provide the links to all the books that you've written. So well, there you go. <laughs> which is Write why I book. didn't spend much time on that li- on that application. Yeah. <laughs> I think you absolutely need to sit down and write a memoir yeah. about your times teaching in the inner city, and I think that's yeah. where that's where you need to start. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what was I going to say? Yeah, it's so daunting, especially kids you know like that who don't have a lot a lot of opportunities when kids are are young when they're in kindergarten they're so wide-eyed and open-handed and you know they'll if they don't know something like they'll still have a go at it they'll still guess Mm -hmm. and that's why you know like when you know kids will just say the absolute craziest things which is it's so adorable (laughs) it's amazing and then somehow like throughout the years as they get older they're taught to be afraid to be wrong where Mm -hmm. it's not okay you know, it to, you know, to be wrong, there's only one answer. It's very black and white. It's very polarized. And they're afraid to, you know, to guess. And that yeah. kind of, that, you know, that trickle you now metastasizes into 
people being afraid to go up in public speak because they're afraid of constant judgment. There's a certain image and there's a certain way that certain, you know, they're supposed to present and they're supposed to weigh this. Uh, sorry, I'm so tongue tied today. No, you're fine. Right. Specific I just... way <laughs> that they're supposed to uh, <clears throat> look and sound. And they're so afraid of being wrong. You know, and I think that especially, you know, and and we're big on talking about creative people, creativity. If you don't feel safe to express yourself, Mm -hmm. the creative spark is really dampened. And, you know, I really do believe that the creativity is like the highest form Mm -hmm. of, you know, human joy and and like if you can find something that allows you to feel creative and express yourself in a, in a creative way, like mm-hmm. I really do think that that is such a, an enriching thing for any individual to be able to do. And, yeah. you know, so I, I think it's so valuable. The, the things that you teach for people, obviously, yeah, sure. They think of it in terms of their job and they think of it in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. the confidence and being able to do functional type things. Mm-hmm. But, it is a gateway to, to being able to tap into the creative part of you if you mm-hmm. can feel safe to express yourself. And I really do think that's yep. a really valuable thing for people. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And along the way, they'll learn certain traits. Um, on A lot of it has to deal with empathy when you're mm-hmm. speaking publicly or you're you're learning out of voice act because you're doing it to elicit a certain emotion out of the audience. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, a fan base or it's just your, you know, your peers, you're mm-hmm. doing it to convince them, so that, you know, of what you're trying to sell. And the only way that you can do that is if you know what they want, if you know how they feel, if you know their stance on a certain topic, um, the only way that you can really get them to, you know, agree with you in any way is if you understand where they are. And so yeah. it's very hard. I've seen I've seen actors that have gone on to Broadway who, you know, they're amazing at their craft and they're very convincing, but they're missing one element. And it's that there's, you know, some of them are just like unbelievably narcissistic that they can't really, you know, at some point they lose the audience because it's all about them. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, it it takes a little while like to be able to hear something like that, but you can really hear it. And it's, it's the difference Mm -hmm. between a 95% performance and a hundred percent knock out the park and a lot of it is you know it goes the other way so, you know this person's lack of self-worth and then their overabundance of self-worth yeah. <laughs> right yeah it can go yeah. it can go either way you have to have a very holistic approach right yeah yeah and yeah i do think that's great though it does sound like you really do you know you come at it from all angles and i think i think that that's really amazing i am so excited to see your youtube channel and to see the new (laughs) your ted talk like i think it's gonna be fabulous i hope so too so So oh go ahead john i was gonna say i got a really interesting question that i came up with for you so you have a show right an animated show you are a character in this animated show. Mm-hmm. What actor plays your voice? Oh, dear. Dead God. or alive. Like mine mm. is Robin Williams. That's a good one. That's yep. a good one. So does it have so does it have to sound like you? No, it could be anybody. Okay. Mine would probably be he, he doesn't fit my aura or my energy at mm. all, but Jeremy yep. Irons. Okay. Jeremy yeah. Irons is one of like my favorite voice actors ever since I heard him in Scar, you know, as Scar <laughs> in Lion yep. King. You know, okay. He's just yeah. got that slow British draw, either that or yep. Michael Caine, but Michael Caine sometimes sounds like he's about to fall asleep. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I don't know. Who to... Yeah, like as far as sounding like you know, because like Robin Williams, he would be just, you know, over the top and, you know, so I would want that on Robin Williams. (laughs) If you need like, if you like, if you wanted to show somebody just a quick portfolio of Robin Williams's work, all you have to do is just show him friend like me from Aladdin. And like, he has like 20,000 voices in that. So like there, there you go. (laughs) Yep, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would, uh, I would pick Gilda Radner. I think really, yeah. Yep. That's I, a name um, you don't hear a lot. The Judy Miller <laughs> Show. I feel like mm. that was me as a child, just entertaining yeah. <laughs> myself in my room alone because you know yeah. that's what I had to do. So yeah, I yep. would pick Gilda Radner. Yeah, okay, that's funny. 
Did you grow up as an only child? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> there were siblings I was trying to get away from. Oh. Don, Don, I love you. <laughs> I was, no, yeah, I, I was, uh, I don't know. I suppose I'm, I kind of isolated out of mm. maybe not shyness necessarily, but feeling sort of like I was different or misunderstood. Like I wanted to be creative. Mm. I wanted to be expressive and it wasn't necessarily Definitely. supported, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about your growing up experience then? Because it sounds like it was very colorful and very interesting. And you had some exposure to this sort of industry of entertainment at a young Mm -hmm. age, right? Yeah. The good thing, like I, the family that I, I guess I can never figure out this phrase, right? Because I never really use it, was adopted into my adoptive parents. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Those parents, like they were they never they're your parents right like essentially, essentially right? i was adopted like, at five months old like you know, it, so it, you it, don't you know, know so. any different it, right yeah. exactly no, like i'm italian for all i know um, <laughs> you could be maybe they yeah. you know um there are times where you know like i'll walk i when i was a kid you know i like grew up with irish you know on one side and italian on the other where i you know just partake in all these irish and italian festivities and i'd walk by a mirror and be like oh yeah right <laughs> <laughs> well there it is that's right yeah um that must be an interesting sensation in terms of like identity right oh yeah definitely and that that has played a lot a big part in um my sense of self as an actor Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. growing up in such a racially diverse because you know they're you know you know two you know very fair-skinned people and like Mm -hmm. my whole family great family but you never could stop you could help from kind of feeling like the black sheep a little bit not in sense of like not like them loving you but you know in school when you know take your you know bring your parent in to you know for school day or something like that um you know you would see oh like you know this kid looks like their parent this is they have these features and then to other strangers you know you would almost have to be like no 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 this is this is my mom like i can go home yeah. like with this person my mom's picking me up and mm-hmm. it's like that's so daunting because i didn't realize that as a kid before but it did kind of affect me in the sense that no other kid had to really justify why they belong to this family and that's, that yeah. that that was a real chip on my shoulder for a long time it's like okay mm-hmm. what does it mean you know i take a lot from lin Man, uh lin manuel miranda mm-hmm. um and his show in the heights you know, it was all about what does it mean to be a minority if you don't live in that country? What does it mean yeah. to bring that culture here? You know, you know, and how do you kind of juxtapose that onto like the American like lifestyle or the lifestyle that you're given to you? The, you know, the good thing is that my parents gave me the freedom to be able to explore anything that I wanted. Yes, yeah, my dad kind of wanted me more on the sports side, but you know, <laughs> I had this nice little high school musical dichotomy growing up mm-hmm. in high school. Um, but when I told them that I wanted to do, do the arts, they saw, they had already seen all the opportunities that the arts had provided me before. So they're like, okay, if you hadn't shown us that you could do this and it couldn't like, you know, reap some benefits and rewards, you know, for the future, probably wouldn't have like been on board with it. But, you know, like you've already shown that you can do it and we support you and we love what you're doing. And like, yeah, like go for it. Like they were nothing but supportive. Um, but then going back to your point, um, or, you know, you were saying about like your lifestyle as a child, I grew up as an only child. Um, my okay. dad, my dad survived cancer in his twenties, but he couldn't have kids as a side effect. So they decided to adopt and I was adopted in the mid nineties and we were just, um, it was just at the turning point of like technology where, mm-hmm. you know, when I was like maybe 10, 10 years old, instant messaging became a thing. Um, and then you start being able to kind of communicate with people that way. But if mm-hmm. you wanted to have friends, like as an only child, if you wanted to have friends, you had to put yourself out there. You had yep. to go outside and mm-hmm. find friends. You couldn't just text them or, you know, like, you know, aim, uh, you know, instant message them. You had to put yourself out there. And I, I was a shy kid. I, you know, I wasn't popular. And you don't means. have siblings to take along with you so that you're yeah, just at yeah. least, you know, have somebody around. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All my social skills were developed you know through school and you know playing with friends like luckily the neighborhood i was in had a lot of my friends around there so i didn't have to go that far but Mm -hmm. you know if i didn't have that i probably would have been much more introverted and i think 
I still was fairly introverted growing up. I was fairly shy, very insecure because I, I didn't know who I was. I, you know, adopted kids don't get enough um, credit. A lot of people, when they hear that somebody is adopted, they're like, oh, that's so interesting. And it definitely is interesting. It's a, it's a great story, but there's a lot of um, mental work that has to be done, uh, especially if you're in such a starkly interracial household. Um, There's a lot of like, I, you can't help if someone, you know, an outside person comes mm-hmm. into the house. It's like, you know, you're the one who's different. And it's, yeah. it, there's yeah. no there's no hiding it kind of thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes and this is kind of where like my I wouldn't say too much empathy, but it, being able to kind of understand where people are coming from uh, came mm-hmm. through because I've, I noticed that when I would, you know, when I was in high school, like I noticed that when I would speak to somebody for the first time, they didn't quite know how to speak to me because, you know, like, because, you know, maybe being adopted, maybe like being Asian. But the second I started connecting with them on things that they enjoyed, that they mm-hmm. you know, appreciated, like, hey, mm-hmm. I love Lincoln Park. Like, hey, like, you know, I like, like okay. roller coasters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, OK. And then the wall started coming down. It's like so as soon as I started giving them some sort of connection um, and mutual feeling, then the walls started coming down. They started feeling more comfortable. So I took that into my teaching and saying, mm-hmm. okay, first you have to create a space before you even start teaching. Because if somebody doesn't feel comfortable and they don't feel like they can trust you, then you're never going to be able to impart any kind of wisdom on them mm-hmm. um, yeah. or influence them in any way. Um, and so I just had a lot of time to study people. My One of my favorite things to do, even to this day, is just people watch. Because mm-hmm. you can learn yeah. a lot from just listening and watching. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. you know, that is really it's it's kind of fun to think, though, that, you know, the way that your life sort of unfolded. Right. And because of mm. your childhood, it did give you the an edge to some degree in what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you learned mm-hmm. that skill and you had to sort of teach yourself how to get people to open up and let loose. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really great. Good for you that you are have been able to tap into that in a really positive way to channel mm-hmm. that into something that is something mm-hmm. really positive, not just for you in terms of obviously like income and supporting yourself, but mm-hmm. adding yep. value and, and and giving value to to others. Like, I think that's really great. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to ask you. Uh, so I'm a musician. I just play music. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I yeah. didn't really do any acting or comedy or anything like that. But um, yeah what's your favorite kind of music like what what's your favorite music to listen to or do you have now, situational I'm, like favorites like that's do you pretty much this? that yeah like you okay. know i i just short of maybe like classic rock i'll okay. pretty much listen to everything whether it's like you know whether it's indie obviously classical but like indie folk alternative punk screamo edm <laughs> you know hip-hop r&b you know, okay. Like you you name it. Like I'm a big fan of like foreign music, like you know, like Hispanic music, like Bad Bunny, Ozuna, like um. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, like like heavy metal bands, like I'll you know yeah. I'll go to a show and you know find myself. Not maybe now that I'm a little older, maybe not be in a mosh pit, but I'll be a yeah. healthy observer from the back. I'm the old guy on on the corner of the mosh pit with his arm out like this, just stopping yeah. people. <laughs> I think the last show I went to pre-COVID was like a day to remember. But, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, Haley, what was the last show you've been to? The last show I've been Yo, to? Yeah. Oh, concert. Let's hear it. Concert. I think probably it's been a hot minute at Fallout Boy. It's been a while. Okay. Oh, they're, wow. I mean, they're How great. Was it was it, oh, yeah. it was definitely one of my favorite concerts I've ever been to for just the energy of the crowd mm-hmm. and, and yeah. the environment. And like their new album had just come out when I went to this. Mm-hmm. Con- I mean, this was years ago, but like the, the energy of the crowd. Right. Was just yep. fantastic because yep. everybody's excited about all the new songs. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I live in I live in Fargo, so we don't get a whole lot coming through. Mm-hmm. But um, the last concert I went to was the Melvins. If you're familiar with them, yeah, I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're an older band. I'm, 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 I don't know uh, how old you are. I'm 35. So I was just, gonna I'm, say, I'm don't, call, don't okay, yeah. call yourself old. I'll be 37 in a couple of days, and I don't. Want I know. To <laughs> I know. So you guys it, had already kind of established, like 
you know, how to communicate with people by the time like AIM came out and texting and things like that. That is something that's interesting to me because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're you're less than a decade younger than me. It doesn't seem like it should be such a gap in in mm-hmm. the experience that we had, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, but it really is because mm-hmm. you know you say you had to put yourself out there, even though your peers at the time would have been doing the instant messaging and and mm-hmm. you know shifting things to like mm-hmm. this online world that we have now. Yeah. Whereas yeah. John and I, your parents kicked you out. Go play outside. And you just had oh, to yeah. go play outside and meet people yeah. because like, yeah. we're not having you in the house. Get out kind yeah. of thing. And, and like, we kind of grew up in this weird little like buffer like zone because we didn't have a whole lot of internet. It was there, but no one ever yeah. was on it like they are now. Like you didn't have a right. phone in your pocket. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff started coming out. But I remember being a kid and just having to play out. So like, the community I grew up into was a small town. It's probably 800 people. Well, and that's and, different too. You know, that's the safety element, obviously. Yeah. But right. it, to that degree too, you sort of having to put yourself out there as an only child in yeah. a yeah. city situation. Like that's a lot of confidence you had to build to be alone mm-hmm. in and yeah. to go make friends and to go meet yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it was about when I was like 10 years old, fifth grade, that like AIM started becoming a thing. MySpace became a thing. So I had like 10 MySpace. years to be, you know, I know, God. Like, <laughs> Remember like, the like, days of MySpace, yeah, how fun yeah. it was to design your website. Yep. I put so much on my page that mine would never load. It would always crash my computer. Yep. So I, I never really got to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, so, um, but you know, I had 10 good years of being able to learn like how to be a real kid. My parents were the same way. They're like, oh, you know, you're going to have summer vacation, but you're not going to spend it inside. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You have to pick at least one camp and we'll pick the other one for you. And like, mm-hmm. all right, Jeez. fine. Yeah. And like, so you know, I was like always going out and then like, so at least I developed the social skills that I needed before all that mm-hmm. stuff came out before like PS2 yeah. became a thing and, you know, things kind of like drive me inward because as an only child, if that had came out, if that was a thing you know as soon as i was born and i could function and understand it like my my nephews now like mm-hmm. i i would just i would just revert inward and that would have been yeah. the worst thing for me you know yeah. the trajectory of my life would have changed dramatically and i, I say that to a lot of my clients mm-hmm. when they're you know going for a role I'm like you know even if it's such a if it's a small role your character, your the present form of your character is a product of a thousand different little decisions and choices and yeah. events prior. Like you change one of them, you change how you sound and how you act now. And it's like, make mm-hmm. those decisions, make those decisions as to like what happened, what had to build to be that character. And I think back like to me, and like, it's very easy to relate to or like you know, for each person, like think about where, like where you are now all the little happenstance things that had to happen for you to be you right now. Yeah. You know, like that to me gets a little bit fun when I start to play the game of, okay, but if you want to be a different character, as if you're an actor in your life in order to create a new mindset for like a new reality shift that you want to create for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. That, you may have to start reevaluating the perspectives you have of past decisions and maybe start seeing and or or past experiences right and mm-hmm. say maybe that didn't happen how i think it happened to yeah. right and and yeah. really yeah. kind of rewrite the story of the past for yourself mm-hmm. to become a new you in the present yep yeah i mean like some of the best episodes like of shows that i love like they're the entire episode, like a third of it will be told from the perspective of this one character, then like from this character, mm-hmm. from this character, like, which one do you believe? It's like, well, you take all of them and then you kind of like figure out the average and the mean and like um, maybe one is obviously right. But still like, yeah, like sometimes like, most of the time, actually, like we're like the worst people to evaluate our own lives. Right. Um, because yeah. you no. see it from the way you experience it, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. you're not. That's kind of one of something that I do find interesting about even just podcasting, right? To go watch yeah. myself later. And mm-hmm. it, I'm going to, now that yeah. we've talked, I'm going to overanalyze my voice probably a little bit and ask myself, <laughs> like, am I, am I inflecting at the end? What am I, yeah. how am I doing this? But yeah. it is interesting to, to watch it and kind of mm-hmm. 
oh, I didn't know that I sounded that way or I didn't know I had this yeah. kind of tick or mm. mannerism that I that I do, mm. you know. Yeah. So it, it does become interesting when you do this kind of work, right, that yeah. mm-hmm. you have to be able to I don't uh, I'm not how how would you define it? I guess because you, you have to see your own work, hear your own work mm-hmm. and. Yep. I guess allow it and not be your worst critic, which we all kind of tend to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are there are many people who will just record once and not give it a second thought, not even touch it, not even come close to listening to it, and mm-hmm. they'll just send it out, and then I'll listen to it, and I'm like, you you did listen to this, right? And they're like, no, why? I was like, like they're like, I really don't like to listen to my own work. I was like, well, you really should because <laughs> listen to that. Um, yeah. But like. You know, when we're speaking, we don't even really hear our own voice. What we're hearing is or we're feeling is the vibrations of our inner ears and like the phonation of that inside. So we're only hearing it within our own headspace. But then it sounds usually pretty different when you hear it back on a recording. Mm-hmm. And like that's the actual voice that we're hearing. And so, you know, it it's it's re- it, you know, it's kind of like another person, you know sending it back to you being like no 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 this is how you actually sound mm-hmm. you know this is you know you're yeah. saying oh this is the way my life went and they're saying no 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 this is how you're actually your life actually went mm-hmm. and um it's so different because like you're in a you're trying to for the people who are trying to be actors it's a different ball game with them than it is to people who are just looking to public speak and build confidence because mm-hmm. the you know the performers the musicians and the in the actors um you know, they'll work on their confidence on their own. Um, mm-hmm. They they kind of have it. Some really don't. Um, but, but that's, that's a, where but, you come yeah. in to try to help them out and guide yeah. them. Yeah. And they, when they act, you know, the performance and just the performing arts is just brutal. And when you have people who are constantly telling you no and judging you coldly, what's wrong yep. with you? And a lot of them will give you these weird reviews. Like they're almost like they're like they're wine tasters. They're like, I'm getting little notes mm-hmm. of of melancholy or um depression and i'm looking for something that's a little bit more um you know i'm a little a little bit more quaint and and i'm just and i'm like this is a voice this isn't you know a chardonnay (laughs) but like but they will they will put you through the ringer you know because they're looking for for a certain flavor yeah yeah you are you know and the hardest thing like you kind of have to pick up the pieces afterwards because they're looking for a product and the product is your voice. You just kind of happen to be attached to it. Yeah. And so being and being okay with like being okay with that, you're volunteering yourself to sell your voice to them. You know, your personality, your persona, what you can do with that voice. You're, you know, you're just selling an instrument pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's, it's just as important to people like that to remain confident and calm and like know who they are and be like, okay, yes, they want this one thing from me, but I am the reason why this is so marketable. Like I am Mm -hmm. the reason why this is so successful. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's, it can be very, very tough on, you know, people's like self-worth. And a lot of time you'll find performers are only are performing because they like that adoration. Mm -hmm. You know, they like, they crave that, you know, like if you're one person standing on a stage of thousands of people, I don't care who you are, that gets to you, you know, you Mm -hmm. like that, that kind of stardom gets to you. And it's, it's very, you know, I can attest to it. It's extremely addictive. Well, yeah, yeah, the, the Mm -hmm. chemicals that your brain creates with when you have that kind of adrenaline rush or, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure, especially when you get that energy of a happy crowd, especially, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. To to know that you elicited that reaction has to mm-hmm. like it can't not mm-hmm. yep. do things to your brain because it makes your brain create all those chemicals. Yep, yep. yep. It's it it like uh, I can't even I don't even know. It's tough to describe, but it's I've I've ridden some of like the world's tallest and fastest roller coasters, and none of them even hold a candle to like a second on like a stage like on you know going down to like Carnegie Hall or like the Lincoln Center Mm -hmm. like they don't hold a candle to just a second of adoration on that stage I love it it's mind it's mind blowing and that's that's what keeps you going though isn't it yeah Yeah. chasing after that is what keeps you going yep and I was going to ask you, so when you're acting, when you're like voice acting and stuff, how mm-hmm. do you have any like 
rituals, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. like that you do to kind of put yourself in that headspace or kind of give yourself like a launch point. Like I'm mm-hmm. ready now, I'm going to do it. Cause like when I was a salesman, I would basically, somebody walks to the door, I'd basically stare at the wall. I'd say, hello. And I'd, I'd basically stare at the wall for 60 yeah. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> 60 seconds. I turn and I go. That's, yeah. Doesn't matter where they are. 60 seconds yeah. is my, is my up point. You know what I mean? Are you, so. are you thinking of anything during those 60 seconds? No, I don't even look at them. I want it. No. I want it to come to me in the next 10 steps. What I'm going to say to them. Nice. So like, I, I, I think to, for me to wait that long and stare at them, I'm getting too much stuff mm-hmm. in my head that I'm overthinking. I don't want to see anything they're looking at. I don't even want to see the bike they're looking at. I want to look at the wall, turn around 60 seconds, and then whatever they land on, they land on, and then let's go have a conversation. Yeah, no, that works. Um, So, you know, vocal warm-ups and all the physical, um, you know, technique work aside, you know, like there are always those rituals and getting ready for that and making sure, you know, that your, you know, your, your body is, you know, uh, is in the space, you know, kind of is, is ready for whatever you need to do. If you're physically acting, if you're crying, you know, things like drinking water, because you can't, there are no tears if you haven't drank any water. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, if for things like voice acting, you say it's like a very dramatic thing where you're, you know, you're in a very, very traumatizing scene. Um, yeah. I'll, if I can do it from home, first off, memorize the scene memorizing the scene that's that's you know students will come to me and be like oh look like i've, I've memorized it i'm like okay good that's step one good yep and like mm-hmm. what do you mean that's step one i was like step one is learning the words on the page now that you learn the words on the page now let's put some emotion to it and now let's really feel them and now let's sell them so memorizing going through them in my head a little bit but to the point where mm-hmm. i can just think about something else and then come right back to it i'm not reciting it in my head to make sure that i don't forget them it's you know it's a part of me yeah. and that mm-hmm. takes you know that takes probably a couple of days to really do then yeah. i'll start you know i'll start taking long walks and getting myself kind of into that space um even you know even if i'm voice acting i'll you know change my body um language a little bit you know i'll if I'm you know, like you can see in like some of Robin Williams's um, yep. recordings, like you know, uh, most people who do voice acting, they'll you know they'll act uh, you know right in mm-hmm. front of the microphone, despite the fact mm-hmm. that nobody is really looking yep. at them. Some some animators now will actually you know take that footage and incorporate that into mm-hmm. you know the animation. But mm-hmm. um, whatever you have to do to feel that character to kind of um, yeah. put yourself in that headspace, um, I'll do so. You know, I'll walk around and I'll just start thinking about whatever the situation is and like whether I ever have to think about to the point where I really start believing it. And then the second I do, I don't waste a second. I like yep. I'll keep the mic recording the entire time, even on my walk. Mm-hmm. And then I'll walk right back in and go. And okay. uh, kind of like you where I won't really think about it too much. Like I'll think about everything mm-hmm. about the scene except for the actual lines. Because if I think mm-hmm. about the lines too much, they're not genuine. You know, most people yeah. don't speak, you know, if they're speaking passionately, they're not real. They don't have a lot of time to think about what they're going to say yeah. because then it would just seem it's too just premeditated. Flowing. It's, falling it's just out, flowing. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is why it's so important to really memorize them to the point where you don't have to think about them and then you yeah. can call back on them without them feeling too arbitrary and, you know, mm-hmm. rehearsed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I do. It's a lot of it's a lot of walking. <laughs> not, yeah, not, as, not so much not as much talking everyone has their process you know there's people that ask me like how can you walk up to people and do that i'm as nervous as anyone else mm-hmm. i just don't show it you know what i mean yeah. i don't i don't yeah. shake hands because sometimes i get sweaty palms because i'm nervous you know what yeah, i mean it's yeah, like yeah don't be a handshaker give them a good old bump mm-hmm. yeah. you, yeah. day, you know but then you have, you know, the commission as a, as an incentive. Oh yeah. To kind of like push that, you know, extra mile to really like mm-hmm. try to do everything you can to make that sell. So. Well, that's, I think like uh, I, that's what I liked about it. It was, it's a mind game and you're trying mm-hmm. to feed yourself. You're basically, how, how am I going to eat? This there's is psychology on yeah, both man. ends, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you yeah. got to get yeah. the psychology yeah. of the customer and you have mm-hmm. to like, use I mean, your psychology have, to your advantage as much as yeah, you can I, I mean 
you have a base pay. You're not balling by any means, yeah, but yeah. you know, it's uh, you're, you depend on that commission to make up for what you're not making. And it's yeah. sometimes is tight enough to the point where you're like, <laughs> I got to figure some stuff out. You got to put the charm yeah. on real hard, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You schmooze them. Mm-hmm. Just be a schmoozer. 99% yeah. of life is schmoozing. Just do it. I love it. <laughs> Great. So we do, like I said, I do want to be, you know, respectful of your time. So um, don't want to keep you, you know, forever. It's been an hour. Wow. I know. It's been such a great I'm conversation. <laughs> I know. I've really enjoyed this. I would love to yeah. have you come back uh, like, and join John and I on our other podcast that we have, if you do, mm-hmm. would like to, because yeah, so much great conversation going here. I really yeah. love it. But yeah, do you have, um, so for the audience to just to find you, where can they find you yeah. and plug your services, plug what you have going yeah. on. If you've got anything coming up that you want people to know about. Yep. So I just, I'm putting everything through the, the new YouTube channel that I just started out um, strictly from the perspective of a writer. So it's called um, writer reacts, um, but it's also a, a brand that I'm starting writers Unblocked, which is a, a program that I'm doing. That's basing um, basically getting people over that hump of creativity block, whether it's writer's yep. block or artistic block or musician's block um, doing anything that they can to kind of get themselves over that hump. And it's really just through exploration not pushing yourself too hard, but just going out exploring and learning. And so it's a channel just based on learning as much as we possibly can to use it for something that we're applying, you know, in our creative space. Um, I love so that. you can find that on YouTube yeah, and then obviously LinkedIn as well. Oh. Cool. Awesome. And we will share uh, links uh, on the, in the description below. So go mm-hmm. check out the links, check out CS. Thank you so, so much for yeah, joining Thank you guys. Thank this you guys so much. Really, really great. Really do appreciate it. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. You. CS Brennan, check him out. Check Thanks, it guys. out. Hi again, friends. That was our conversation with C.S. Brennan. Do check out the links below to find more of his information and check out his YouTube channel. We do hope he'll come back again for more conversation. That was such a good time. If you'd like to support more of the No Small Stories podcast, then you can subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash no small stories. And definitely follow us on Instagram at no small stories podcast. Do all the things that listeners can do. Like, share, subscribe, comment, leave a review. Thank you so much again for tuning in and listening. And until next time, friends, wherever you are out there, I hope you're doing well.